Thank you. We thank you for all your blessings, all your goodness, all that you give us and all that you do for us. And we praise you now in Jesus' name. Amen. So I'm going to carry on from what I was talking about last week, which is finances. And uh, as I said last week, there's so much stuff that gets talked about when it comes to money in the church and all the rest of it. And I, and I explained all that last week. Um, something that's really important, if you weren't here last week, you do need to listen to last week's talk. It's really important, really foundational, and it's absolutely key. Because yeah, kind of like one of the issues that you have as a pastor is you'll, you'll preach your heart out on a Sunday morning and some of the people that God really needed to hear what was being taught weren't here. And then they come next week and then you feel like you've got to do a summary of the whole thing and, and we get all out. And Roger said, oh, please don't do a summary. Because you need to listen to this, guys. Because It's so important in the times we live in that we base every decision and everything we do in our life on Scripture and on Jesus. And so if, if we're only getting like little bits, we're, gone, we're not going to move forward. In fact, we, we're actually probably going to go backwards. And, and some of us will start doing things that, that, you know, we know to do, but we just stop doing them. And so it's really important if you weren't here last week, you, you listen to that talk. And I'm going to follow on from that this, this morning. Just three key things from last week. Firstly... The biblical principle when it comes to finances is the principle of first fruits. And that's there right from the time of Cain and Abel. So right from the beginning, it's right through the Bible, that God gives you everything. All you have, everything in this world is his. We just get to give him part back of what he's blessed us with. And he asks us to give him the first part, not the last, not the bit at the bottom of the budget, Budgeting is something that God doesn't recognize. He recognizes it because he understands what you're doing. But actually, he has a different principle, which he called stewardship, which is, I've blessed you to be a blessing and be part of my kingdom. So I'm asking you to give the first part back. And that first part is to go to the church for the work of the church. It, 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 I, I talked about how different cultures have different ideas and well, I give here and I give there and I support this and I do this for this nephew in wherever and all that sort of... That's cultural, but it isn't scriptural. It's scriptural to be generous and love people like that, but it, it doesn't negate the principle of first fruit. And I, and I finished, well, through, through this statement, I want, this is what I want you to understand, that giving is the lifestyle of a Christian. Because giving is the lifestyle of Christ. He gave first, and we can't outgive him. So hopefully that was short enough, Roger. Very good. Thank you, Roger. Uh, today, I, I, I'm, going to, I'm going to actually start in the New Testament, because we did quite a bit of Old Testament last week, although we did get on to the New. And uh, I'm going to start in the New Testament. I'm going to start with uh, Luke chapter 6, verse 37 38. Quite a well-known passage. And when I, when I talked last week, somebody came up to me and said, well, you didn't mention this verse. 
And, and you, need to, you need to talk about this verse because God says, if you give, you'll get. And I said, yeah, but I can't do everything in one talk. That's why we have series or several, talk about stuff over several weeks. And that's why it's important you listen to last week's. If you're not here, you won't be hearing this, but it's important that people listen to this week's. And so Luke 6, 37, 38 says this. Judge not, and you shall not be judged. Condemn not, and you shall not be condemned. Forgive, and you'll be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over, will be put in your bosom. For the, with the same measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. Some versions don't use bosom, they use lap and whatever. It's kind of in this thing, you know, they, they used to have like big garments that they used to hold out like this and fill them with, you know, whatever they gleaned in the fields. And that, that's what he's talking about. I just thought I'd clarify that. Okay, so there's some principles in here. Now, first off, who's talking? Who, who said this? Jesus said this. So you would think if it's something that Jesus said, it's something we should do. Because if we say we're following Jesus and don't do what he asks us to do, we've got a problem. We're not really following him. Uh, we might think we're Christians, but actually we're not being very good disciples because we're not doing what he asks us to do. So in this, in this passage, he says things like, judge not and you won't be judged. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you. And then he says, give and it be given to you. So, where in there is the mention of the word money? It's not there, is it? Okay. The point's this. This is a general principle for every area of our life. And that includes money, but not only money. And so, this isn't just a, like, give money and you'll get this is a principle for every area of our, our being and our life. That, that the more we give of ourselves, the more we give uh, of our finances, the more we give of love, the more we give forgiveness, the more we give mercy, the more we get back. Do, do you understand? Yes. So it covers money, but it's not just about money. And, you know, this principle of give applies to every area of our life. You can't talk about grace without talking about giving because grace is the free gift of Jesus to us. You can't talk about marriage and relationships without talking about giving. You, you can't talk about any area of, of Christianity without talking about giving. Now, why is that important? Well, let me, let me just unpack that verse for you first. And then I'll come on to why it's important. There's the broad principle here, so if you're writing things down, you need to write this down. The broad principle is this. Whatever you give is going to come back to you, good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over. That's a principle. Now, you have a choice whether you believe that or not and whether you live in the light of that or not. But this is Jesus speaking. Jesus doesn't lie. He doesn't break his promises. And 
He knows what he's talking about. More to the point, he has the ability to make sure it happens. So the issue isn't about the principle. You know, you can't actually take that out of the Bible. It's there. You, you might not want to run your life according to it, but you can't take it out of the Bible. And so the issue isn't the principle. The issue is whether we live in the light of the principle. Now, we really kind of need to get the idea of what's, what's going on here. Because I, I kind of like that. It, it's kind of got a bit poetic, hasn't it? Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. Sounds lovely, doesn't it? Here's what he's talking about. In the Old Testament, there was a principle that, that God uh, put in place in order that everybody should have enough. And this principle was that when farmers had fields, because most of the economy was agricultural then, when farmers had fields, they, weren't, they were told to leave the outer edges and the, and, and the corners. And the, the people who had nothing would come with their baskets and glean and gather at the edges of the fields while he harvested the rest. And so they, they would cut, and you find that, you find Ruth doing this. Ruth and Naomi in, in, in the Old Testament, they're, they're doing this in the field. And so they're gathering up. So what basically the idea is this. You've, I've got my basket and I put in, now if you've, if you've like walked, because they didn't have like Ford Focuses and things in those days. So if you've walked 20 miles with your basket, what are you going to make sure it's full. You're not going to walk the 20 miles back with nothing, are you? Or half full. So that's the good measure. So they used to get this good measure, fill the basket. And then because of the way we, we, we think, you're thinking, right, okay, well, is that the most I could get in the basket? So they would press it down. Have you, have you, have you done that? We do it with our bins. Shovel, shovel has this great idea sometimes that I should climb in the bin and stamp on it, but I, I don't do that. It's embarrassing if the bin falls over. But you get the idea. You just kind of push it all down to get some more in, don't you? I do it with the kitchen bin because I don't want to have to go out in the cold to put it in the other bin. But, so that's the press, to get, press down. So they, they would press it down. And what, what's the effect? They create more space to get some more in. So they pile it all up. And then what do they do? Now that they press it all down, they shake it. You ever done that with, with some rice or... You know, those, you, and you get some more in your jar, don't you? Because it, it settles nice and gets the air out. So that's the shaking together. And what, they then, what you then do, and you see people doing this at buffet tables, is they pile it up as high as they can. That's the running over. Because as you walk along, it's kind of going all over the place again. So that, that's the idea. So what Jesus is saying is the universal principle is this. When you give with the right heart, you will always get more in return. Now listen to that. When you give with the right heart, you will always get more in return. That's Jesus' promise. He did not say, and, he, and, and, and this, this doesn't work when you just translate that as if you give, you're going to get. 
It doesn't work. Because it's all about the principle of what's going on in your heart. That's why he ties it to all these other things like judgment, judging, forgiveness, love, care, all that sort of thing. Now, here's something else Jesus says, and I, and I won't take you to the verses, but he says, I'm sure you know, you know, store up your treasure. Because where your treasure is, there is your heart. Now, there's something amazing that I've noticed in, um, what have I done with it? Here we go. See, this is this. And normally, my, my little Visa credit card sits in my wallet, which goes there. Because I've got an inside pocket in my jacket. So I, I carry this close to my heart. But there's something I've noticed about money and, and wallets, is that they tend to drag people around behind them. And this kind of is attached somehow with this invisible string that is attached to your heart. There's something about our hearts that have this relationship with things and stuff and money that if we get it the wrong way around, the stuff and the things and the money drag us around after it. Yeah. There's kind of a link. And that's why Jesus said, if you don't get it right in this area you won't get it right in any area because this is the least of things. This is the first basic stuff. This isn't like Christianity's rocket science. This is the least. If, and he says, if you can't be faithful with the least, then I can't trust you with the more. And so it's really important that we understand that where our treasure is locates where our heart is. Where our treasure is locates where our heart is. So if you want your heart in the kingdom, you put your treasure in the kingdom. Got to understand that. If you want your heart in the kingdom, you're going to put your treasure in the kingdom. Because where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. That's what Jesus said. So where we, what we do with our finances and what we do with every area of our life is an indication to us of what our heart is. So when we make decisions, is Jesus in the kingdom at the top of the decision table or is he at the bottom of the decision table? Because where our treasure is, there is our heart. And, and if we find out our treasure isn't in the kingdom, then that's a real alarm bell for where we are in our relationship with Jesus. And that will, you know, hopefully help some of us at different times in our life, to realize that stuff that we know, we're not living. You see, all of this is pointless if we don't live it. You know, you might, you might as well just go and join a club. Because they'll have a set of rules. And you can follow them instead. You know? So... Coming back to that, those first verses, if you give, let's say, judgment, then what will come back, good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over, is judgment. Yeah. So if you're a judgmental person, don't be surprised if you encounter judgmental people. If you, uh, if you give uh, forgiveness, 
Guess what? It comes back, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. So there's, there's a kind of theologians have a technical term for this, and, and the term is it's the law of reciprocity. Paul talks about it. He says, uh, don't be deceived. God isn't mocked. You can't, you can't pull the wool over God's eyes. Do you know that he sees everything we do and he, and he knows every thought and intention of our heart? So somehow we must ignore that when we know that we're not actually doing what he asks us to do. So he says, God is not mocked. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For uh, whatever you give, you'll also receive. Whatever you sow, that shall you also reap. This, it's, a, it's a principle that underlies things. It's not a rule, it's a principle. It's how the kingdom works. And the, and the thing we, we sometimes struggle to get our head round and why we kind of get in a quandary about all this stuff is that we... take you out of the system of the world into the system of the kingdom. And the system of the kingdom is where God takes responsibility for your provision. And the system of the kingdom is where the miracles happen. When we're doing Christianity without miracles, it's because we're operating according to the world and not the kingdom. That's why you see so many you know, what Renine was saying, people who go, well, I'm not seeing it, so it can't, you know, I'm not going to believe it. No, what, what you're actually seeing is the results of not engaging with the kingdom of God, which is a miraculous kingdom, where God says, I love you so much, I'm going to be your provider. I'm going to be your healer. I'm your deliverer. I'm the one who's going to set you free. I'm the one who's going to look after you. I'm the one you can trust. And so we have to live according to the kingdom principles or the kingdom principles don't work for us. You, you can't be in one or the other. You, if you want God's blessing on things, you have to operate according to the kingdom. And what we find is when we operate according to the world's principles, sometimes it works out fine for us. And sometimes inexplicably, we find like money's going out the door, like left, right and centre, we've no idea what's happening. And life's just not adding up. Because we, we aren't living according to the kingdom. We're living according to the world. Now, here's the problem. You're like, oh, Mark. There's always a problem with Mark, isn't there? Here's, here's, let me identify the problem for you and identify how to avoid some of the messes that people get in in understanding this stuff here's the problem once you understand everything that i've just said there is a great temptation to make that your motive for giving that's where the problem comes in when this god's promise give and it'll be given unto you shaking together pressed down running over becomes a motive for giving. The motive for giving is the first fruits. 
You can't outgive God. But you have a choice about whether you will trust God or not trust him. Now, let me, this is a bit of a paraphrase. Let me, let me try and put that slightly differently. Imagine that I'm a pastor or a Christian who doesn't understand this. So here's how that verse, given it be given to you, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, translates. Here's how, here's how it's going to work. I've got a great deal for you guys. It's offering time. Here's my deal. You give, you're going to get back. So who wouldn't give? And if you give, you'll get this. And if you give, you'll get that. And if you give, you'll get my anointing. And you might get 30, 60, and 100 fold. So get your wallets out, stick it in the offering bucket. Isn't that a great deal? Is that a good deal? <laughs> it is a good deal, isn't it? Now, Imagine God hearing that. God isn't, just bear with me on this, God isn't sat in heaven and he's not sitting there going, man, if only my people would get a vision for getting more stuff. If only they could get that they, that, that they should have more stuff. Then I could fund my church. You see, when we see things from God's perspective, it translates differently than it does in our perspective and in our heads. God does not want... Now listen carefully to this. Because this will get rid of a lot of the frustrations we have about this not working for some and not others. And we need to examine our hearts. God does not want you to have a vision for getting. He wants you to have a vision for giving. If you have a vision for getting, the devil is going to rob you left, right and centre because it's not, it's not a heavenly vision. It's a fleshly, it's a worldly vision. So what's the point I'm making in all this? The point I'm making in all this is this isn't about money or anything. It's about a heart. And God's in the business of fixing our hearts. And one of his methods of fixing our hearts is giving. Because it involves us giving something up for the one we love. It involves us having to trust him. The whole thing about finances in the kingdom is it's about the heart. That's why God says he loves a cheerful giver. He's not interested in a miserable giver. So let me just check my time. Okay, I'm good. So let me take you to Deuteronomy 15, back into the Old Testament. Deuteronomy 15, 7 8. You might say, well, why are you going here? Because I want you to see the principle about how God intends that giving fixes you. Okay, I'm not offering you stuff this morning. God's always already said you can trust me. You're going to get back good measure, but that's not your motive. 
I'm more interested in what giving does to your heart and whether that giving centers you on Jesus or makes you resent Jesus. And whether that issue about giving is pulling you away from Jesus or pulling you towards Jesus. That's what I'm interested in. So let's, let's, let's go. Deuteronomy 15, verses 7 and 8. Let me just say it up. If there is among you a poor man of your brethren, with any of in the gates of your land which the Lord your God is not give, which your Lord is giving you, you'll not harden your heart nor shut your hand from your poor brother, but you shall open your hand wide to him and willingly lend him sufficient for his need, whatever he needs. Now notice that. So the context of all of that he's going to say following that is your heart and giving willingly and sharing willingly. So it's that willingness that he's focusing on. And then he gets on to verse 9. Now, here's the first thing that giving will deal with. Giving will deal with selfishness in your heart. If you want to cure selfishness or self-centeredness in your life, then giving is God's way of helping. So we get on verse 9. Beware lest there be a wicked thought in your heart. There it is, heart again. A wicked thought. Saying, the seventh year, the year of release is and, and your eye be evil against your poor brother, and you don't give him anything. And he cries out to the Lord against you, and it becomes sin among you. What's the point? The point's this, that we, we need to be careful when our selfishness becomes wickedness in God's eyes and becomes sin in our lifestyle. There's a, there's a parable, parallel to this in James where he talks about how sin, sin actions are the end result of what is the desires of our heart. And when that desire, when, the, when, when that desire in your heart, when you take hold of it, becomes a sin action. So the problem isn't the actions, the problem isn't do or not do or anything like that. The problem is what's going on in our heart. In eternity, Jesus is only going to be interested in one thing, and that's whether your heart is for him or not. You know, Cheryl and I were having a discussion. Uh, I, I went to see, to Math, see Matthew this weekend, the last couple of days, and uh, in Manchester. Cheryl couldn't go because she was uh, still struggling with kind of energy um, after having the COVID thing. And uh, we're having this, this chat on the phone. Uh, and Cheryl said this sentence, and she said, I only want to live for one thing. I, I only want to understand one thing. Well, th this is the thing that I want to drive me. How well am I loving Jesus? How well am I loving Jesus? Not like I'd like to love Jesus and I'm on his side, but how well am I actually loving him? 
How, how's it showing in, in, in my life? How well do I love Jesus? Now, here's what I want you to notice from that verse. You, you need to recognize that he calls selfishness wickedness. So when we focus in our, our decisions on our own goals and our own desires, and, and it's all about us, somehow that's a recognition that there's something wrong in our heart. And God calls it wickedness. Wickedness means something's got twisted, it's gone wrong. And he's saying that we should con cultivate a generous heart because he's generous. So here's my question. Why did God create giving? Well, the first thing is to heal that selfish heart. So last week we talked about how God made giving so to shape our heart to be like Jesus's. There's no selfishness in Jesus's heart. He gave everything for us. And that our giving is for his work and his sake. And so we, we give of our best. But it's also for our sake. So God created giving for our sake to help us with this issue, which we're not very good at fixing ourselves, called selfishness and self-centeredness and me first. And, and giving more than anything else works selfishness and pride out of our lives. So, like I said before, it's not about a revelation of getting. It's about a revelation of giving because that's going to heal and fix our hearts. The second thing is, so that, to deal with the selfish heart, but it also helps us deal with the grieving heart. You see, before you give, so before you put the money in or before the standing order goes out the bank or anything like that, the issue to be dealt with in your heart and overcome is selfishness. Once you've given and the basket's disappearing, the issue is grief. <laughs> because the enemy's going to say, I could have done with that. What, what, man. So let's go to verse 10. You shall surely give to him and your heart should not be grieved when you give to him. Because for this thing, the Lord your God will bless you in all your works and in all to which you put your hand. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. That's Jesus' way of putting that in the New Testament. So, the this is a conditional promise. And the condition isn't keep a rule. Okay, you've got to understand this. This isn't keep a rule and you'll do it. The condition is one of relationship, which is if your heart's right, this works. If kingdom is your objective, this works. If you recognize you are blessed to be a blessing, this works. So the condition is give from the heart with the right heart. The promise is God will bless you in everything you do. So giving to get will not work that promise. 
Giving to get will make you feel disillusioned and exploited by God. When in fact God has nothing to do with it, the people who are teaching it badly have everything to do with it. Giving from a right heart allows God to bless you. Because the right heart connects to the kingdom. The wrong heart doesn't connect to the kingdom. Oh. I've just said that and I'm thinking, man, Shell sent me out to get something this morning. And I've not done it and I've got no money to go and do it. Oh. Oh, isn't he kind? I'm not sure it's enough, but we'll go for it. <laughs> Thank you, Roger. Did that upset you? No. The reason Roger doesn't feel any grief at all about giving me that five pound is because I gave it to him before the service. <laughs> he's not grieving. He's not upset about it. Maybe if you don't give it back. <laughs> <laughs> it's all about the heart, Roger. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> and so, here's the thing. The cue for grieving hearts is to recognise God gave it all to us. It's not, it's not mine. He can have it. I don't care. So thirdly, so fix a selfish heart, fix a grieving heart, and then do something positive. Develop a generous heart. Giving helps us develop generosity. Let's go to verse 14. You shall supply him liberally from your flock, from your threshing floor, and from your winepress. From what the Lord your God has blessed you with, you'll give him. God wants us to be generous. The problem is we were born selfish. And some of that carries over into our born-again Christian lives. It's in our flesh. It's in our soul. But the truth is, in our heart, in our spirit, we were born again generous. Because God's spirit, when you're born again, God's spirit becomes one with your spirit. You're empowered to live differently. Yeah. You're empowered to live and for these kingdom ways to work for you. So when we, we, are, we are born again, in our spirit, we're born again generous. We just have to get that out. And, and a way of connecting to our spirit rather than our flesh is to give. And so... As part of that, we start to, to understand who we've been made to be, who we, who we are as new covenant believers, and we start to live it, and it starts to produce a generous heart in us. And, and giving becomes a joy and not a grief. And giving becomes something that you, that you delight in doing, not that is a problem for you because you're selfish. So we develop a generous heart by actually engaging in giving. Because giving is his family trait. And 
it's, it's a really odd thing. It's kind of like we all treat, I'm, I'm sure Sarah has probably done it in, in the last 24 hours, is she's had to tell her children to share. I was always having to tell my children to share. Um, you know, we, we teach our children to share and then we kind of forget about it when we get older. It's a funny thing, isn't it? We don't want to share. I earned that. I went to work and I got that and I've got a mortgage and I've got to do this and I've got to do that. And by the way, I need a bigger house and I need a new car and all these sort of things. So I can't share. Imagine your kids using those arguments to you. Just throw that out there. You see, here's what, <laughs> here's, what God's gonna, here's what God's thinking. Let's look at this from God's perspective again. Here's what he's thinking. He's thinking, you're my kids. How many, how many of you are children of God? Yeah, that's the right answer. Well done, everybody. <laughs> and gee, God, God is there and he's going, when will you guys grow up and do the things I taught you to do? To have a generous, sharing heart. When will you grow up? And you're going, well, I've grown up. I've been at this 60 years or 50 years or however long you've been at it. No, you've gone backwards from what you were teaching children. Be generous, share. You see, do you, let, let me ask you a question. You can put your hands up for this one as well. How many of you want to absolutely delight God this week? Okay. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to ask him this question. That's not the question. <laughs> That's the big build-up, the musical bit. You know, like on a Hollywood film? Here's the question. What? It's God. What do you want me to give? Tell me, and that's what I'm going to do. Simple question. Go to God, say, what do you want me to give? Tell me, and that's what I'll do. And I want you to all to go and ask him that this week. As I said last week, I don't care. I've got other things I can do with my life. I care about your hearts. And I care about us being a spotless bride when he comes back. I care about his heart and your heart. Just like the father. He's trying to create this generous, loving, sharing heart in us. So what do you want me to give? And that's what I'm going to do. The second part of that is really important. That's what I'm going to do. Not what do you want me to give? Because then we start negotiating. So let's not negotiate up front. Let's just say that's what I'm going to do. And so finally, I'm going to finish with this. What does he want us to do? Verse 15. And you shall remember with gratitude that you were slave in the land of Egypt and the Lord your God redeemed you. Therefore, that's why I'm commanding you this, this day. God wants us to have a thankful heart. He wants us to be thankful for what he's done for us. 
And being thankful for what he's done with us, for us, involves being willing to share that and give that because he's asked us to. You know, we need to remind ourselves every now and then that we were slaves. We were slaves to sin. We were going to hell. And he bought us from that. And we, need, we do need to remember us. Just like he led them out of Egypt, we were led out of Egypt. Sin, when we were stuck in sin, stuck with no hope, heading towards hell, and he saved us. He paid the price for you. Let me just finish with this. You see, one of the things I realized in, Cheryl and I have talked about this a lot, but I realized again in this conversation when she was talking about how well am I loving Jesus, is actually we, we, can't, we love to give. You know, over the years, we, 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 we've given. And, you know, I examine my motives, and I, I acknowledge that sometimes I, I was not understanding things, and I was giving to get. And then I got really annoyed with God when he didn't get. But we learned to kind of delight. We learned the joy of giving. You know, over the years, you know, this isn't, a pie thing, it's just a, a fact thing. We've, we've given five cars away. We, we've, we've had, I don't know how many people live with us. Like, that's just like, I, I have no idea how many people have lived with us and, and shared around our table. And, and we've helped people. I'm not telling that to make me feel good. I, I, I'm, I'm okay with it. I, I'm delighting it because it tells me that my heart's getting a little bit more like Jesus's and it's, but it's still got a way to go. But I'm telling you to, so that you know that actually this stuff works. You can change. It does change you. And then I asked this question. I was, I was pondering this after I got off the phone to show why is it that I don't have this problem with being generous and so many do? And it's really difficult to say this because you think, well, Mark's picking himself up. I don't, I don't care what you think. I'm doing this for your good. Why is it that I don't have an issue? Well, just like with that five pound that Roger gave me, I don't have an issue with it because I remember that without Jesus, I've got nothing. I am nothing. I was saved quite early in life. I became a Christian at the age of 14, but man, did I pack some bad stuff in before I was 14. I was heading in a very bad way. It's amazing how bad you can be by the age of 14, and that was me. And, he, and then remember the things that Jesus has done for me. And I'm grateful. And, and I want to express that gratitude. You know, it's really important we never forget where we came from. We never forget where we came from. That's secure to a selfish heart, a grieving heart, and turns it into a generous and thankful heart. Amen? Amen. Let's stand. Because I'm sure you're hungry now, aren't you?
For Jesus, of course, not the food. So, Father, we thank you. We thank you for all your blessings and all your goodness. We thank you with your... This obsession you have with helping us heal our hearts. And we thank you that you've given us so much. Help us to remember where we came from. Help us to remember those questions you've asked our hearts this morning. And help us to respond. Amen. Amen.